What's up, fam? Soul Jam here, welcoming y'all back to another hot off the press banger from the Fortifying Kings. Y'all know how we do here on this podcast, building up brothers and giving them defensive strategies to help protect them and their families from the wiles of the devil. I got some real good for y'all this week. It's going to refresh y'all like some fresh sweet tea on a hot afternoon. So let's get it. Tighten your bootstraps, buckle your seatbelt, grab your Bible, and let me learn you a little bit. Let's get it. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we thank you for this time, God, that we are able to come together and to study your word and to bring forth knowledge and instruction that you've given us, God, to your people so that we be able to understand in these times and go forward in the mission that you call for us to do as men of God. Lord, bless the word and those that hear it. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So welcome back to another episode of the Fortifying Fortifying Kings. (laughs) I'm glad y'all could take the time to give us a listen. So first off, I want to say happy Veterans Day to all those who are serving, all those who have served. You know, our thoughts, our thanks, our prayers, and our commitment are with all the armed service members who are whether be past or present. We thank you guys for the sacrifices that you've made and for keeping our nation safe. So this week, the topic of this week's subsection of being commissioned men is being sanctified for the service. To be sanctified for the service and what that means. So let's let's dive in board. Let's jump straight into the word and we'll swim through the topic as we go. So if you can go with me to Isaiah chapter six, Isaiah chapter six, we're going to be reading verses one through eight. Isaiah chapter six, verses one through eight. So starting verse one says in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly, which is with those wings he did fly. With two he did cover his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he did fly. Verse 3, and one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Verse five. And then I said, woe is me, for I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongues from off the altar. The tongues, you know, like we use for barbecue and took a coal from the altar. Verse seven. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, lo, this has touched your lips and your iniquity is taken away and your sin and thy sin is purged. Verse eight. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, uh, who shall I send and who will go for us? And then said I, here am I, send me. Once again, we want to key in on verse number eight. One, verse number eight, once again, says, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Send me to do the work that you've already called, or send me to do the work that you've commissioned me to do. 
and that's going to be the theme of us here today. So I'm going to work backwards here in the theme of sanctify for the service or sanctify for the commission. That way, I believe the full effect of it hits closer to the heart of the matter. So we're going to start with the, the last part, sanctify for the service. or we're going to start with the service or the commission. So I'm going to hit the definition of commission once again, because I believe Seven talked about it also. And a lot of us have been talking about commission since we're in this, you know, sub-series of commission manhood. But I'm going to reiterate the definition one more time, just so it's fresh in our minds and fresh in our thoughts right now. So a commission is an instruction, a command, or a duty given to a person or a group of people. Once again, it's an instruction, a command, a duty that's given to a person or a group of people. Now, there are two commissions or commands that we as men of God fall under. One comes from Ecclesiastes chapter 6, and the other one comes from Matthew chapter 28. So if you listen to our previous miniseries, known as The Battlegrounds, you know a little bit about the mission and role of a man in God's kingdom and in the man's own house. And you know, that's the one of the first commissions or the first duties of a man. If we go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it sums it up in a nice kind of neat, neat gift wrap package that is easily digestible for the actual overarching thing of the commission of a man. So let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. And Ecclesiastes is right after Proverbs, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes. So again, it's Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 through 14. And again, I'm reading from the King James Bible, so it might be a little bit different in whatever translation you use, but this is the one that I use. So Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, or here is the conclusion, or here is a synopsis of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Once again, let us fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of man. For shall, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing which is good or every secret thing which is evil. So once again, if you haven't checked out the previous series, go back and listen to that and catch some of those messages that we did because the other kings and myself did a great job, in my opinion, at taking the principle of this scripture, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 12, verse 13, took that principle of that scripture and apply it to the lives of men who are under God's authority. And the thing is, <laughs> that's a lot in and of itself. Just like the woman who was caught in adultery uh, after she was redeemed by Jesus, he told her, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more and fear God and keep his commandments. Those two are very simple in concept, but difficult in application. And one more time, we kind of broke down that for you already in our previous series about uh, the application of that. So that is the gist of the commission of man to fear God and obey his commandments. So now let's look at the commission of those who say they are men of God, because the first one was the commission of the man. Now this next one is commission of those who say they are a man of God. So let's go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, we're going to read verses 18 through 20. 
Matthew is, again, the first book in the New Testament, Matthew chapter 28, which is the last chapter in the first book of the New Testament. Let's get to it one sec. All right, Matthew chapter 28, we're going to read verses 18 through 20. And it says, And Jesus came and spake with them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Ghost. Verse 20 says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the earth or end of the world. Amen. So once again, Jesus said, go into all the earth, teaching them, uh, baptizing them of the things that I've commanded you. And I'm with you always. And you, know, you can also read about this same commission or commandment. You can read about it in Mark 16 or in Luke 24 and Acts 1 to give, you know, a full rounded account of the same commission that we were given as followers of Christ. You know, this is referred to as the great commission, you know, to go forth and teach, you know, go therefore into the world and teach. One translation says to go and make disciples. And how do you make disciples? And it break, Jesus breaks it down right there by baptizing and teaching them to observe the same things that we deserve as disciples or the same things that he's credited with teaching the disciples, the same things that they know, the same precepts you live by, the same laws that you apply to your life. Teach them the same thing so that you can go forth and bring more people in to observe the same things that you do or to observe the things that we who are called according to his name observe. And even the, that, that, that part right there, uh, we who are called according to his name, you see that in the Bible a lot. To be a Christian, we're called according to the name of Christ. Christian is just to be like Christ, to be seen as Christ. That term came from uh, in uh, the time of Acts, where they see the apostles, see the people who were preaching the word of God. They said, you look like Christ. You act like Christ. To be Christian is to be acting and looking and doing the same things as Christ and to be living in that same way so that Christ is projected through your life, through your speech, through everything that you do. Christ is the one that's seen through it. So people see Christ through you. That's what it means to be called according to his name and to be doing the things according to his name, according to the name of Jesus Christ, so that people see Christ through us. So that's what our two commissions are. So we have the one commission of being a man as we go. You know, we've gone over that already. And now we have the commission of a man of God or the commission of a Christian and the commission of a person who's operating under the hand of God. So now let's jump to the first part of the statement. Sanctify for the service. So we already ran over the service part. Now let's go over the sanctified part to be sanctified. <laughs> there was a saying in the old church. It said, you know, I'm saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost, you know, and myself being young, being a young believer. I used to liken the notion of being sanctified to the image of, of the Pharisees in Jesus's day. Uh, people being pompous, boastful, brash, cocky, not in tune with what's actually going on just snobs, you know, that, that turn their noses at anybody else doing anything. 
that's what I thought sanctify was. That's what I thought that meant. You know, in some cases, that's true because some people take the fact that they are sanctified, take the fact that they are living for Christ and use it as a means to judge and to think that they're better than someone else. And that's not what the gospel does. That's not what it means to be saved. That's not that should not be the case. But in some cases, that is true. But again, that's not what it should be. So to be sanctified, the, ter- the definition of sanctified literally means to be set apart for special use or for special purpose. It is to make holy or sacred. Therefore, sanctification refers to the state or process of being set apart or being made holy as a vessel full of the Holy Spirit of God. As a noun, sanctification is the usually gradual or uncompleted process by which a believer or a Christian is made holy through the action of the Holy Spirit. So sanctify, once again, sanctify literally means to be set apart for a special use. As we go, the special use or the special task or the special duty is to go there forth and make disciples. We've already read that back when we were talking about the actual commission to be sanctified or even talking about the man to obey his commandments. The special purpose is that we have to be sanctified. We have to be set apart to do that specific special purpose. So let's go to Romans chapter 12. We've, we've been to this scripture before. I myself have done it and a lot of the other kings have done it, but let's go. And it's, it's so important to understand that. So let's go to Romans chapter 12, verse one. Romans chapter 12, verse one says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, or I beseech you, I mean, I beg you, therefore, by the mercies of God, or because God has been so merciful by sending his son and redeeming you, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed, this is verse two, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Or another translation says to prove to yourself what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. So the thing is to effectively operate under the commission, we must be set apart so as to edify and to strengthen and to fortify in ourselves and in others the perfect and acceptable will of God the Bible says he wishes uh, none would perish, but all might come to repentance because that's his wish. That's his perfect will that all would be that all would become to the knowledge of his son, Jesus Christ. That is what the perfect and acceptable will of God is. So thinking back to that old church saying, you know, I'm saved, sanctified and filled with the Holy Ghost is not per se a saying of being brash. It's more of a testament to what God has done saying I've been saved, which means I've been freed from the unpayable debt of sin in my life, the overarching thing that's been hanging over my head that I have no way of getting rid of. I've been freed from that. I've been saved and I've been sanctified, which means I've been set apart to do the work of bringing other people in so that they too can be free from their unpayable debts. And I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, which means I'm filled with the only one who was able to keep me set apart to do this work. Because sanctification comes and holiness comes by the spirit of God and by the spirit of God working in your life saying this shouldn't be this way. This should be this way. You shouldn't look like this. You shouldn't act like this. That's how the sanctification comes by the Holy Spirit 
working and the unctioning and the convictions of the Holy Spirit in our lives in our lives is what sets us apart. So that statement is not a pompous, brash, cocky statement. It's a testament to the work of the Lord and what he's done. Not anything that we could have done for ourselves, not anything that anybody else could have done for us. God, you're the only one that could have sanctified me. You're the only one that could have set me apart. You're the only one that could have saved me. And you're the only one that filled me with your spirit to be able to walk in my sanctification. So this, this is how, this is what we noticed back in Isaiah chapter six. He was sanctified by the fire of God. And now he's ready, willing, and able to do the things and speak the word which God has given to him. Because remember we said, he said, I'm a sinful man. I, my mouth is sinful. Everything being in the presence of God and understanding what that is, he then was able to see like, I am not it. I am not ready to be go forth and do this thing. I am not clean. I am not set apart right now. But then when he was set apart by the fire of God, by the cold touching his lips, so the cleansing of God, which comes now by the cleansing of the Holy Spirit in our lives, he was now ready. He said, now nah, I'm ready, willing and able to do these things. Now, excuse me, now I'm set apart. Now I'm ready to go. So again, first he was set apart. Then he could effectively do the work. How effective can we do the work of winning souls to Christ or being a commissioned man or leading our families on the road to Christ? How effectively can we do that if we're not first set apart? If we're not first sanctified? If we're not, if there's no clear distinction between us and old selves. So do we look sanctified to the world or do we look set apart from the world? And are are our actions and the choices that we make, are they set apart from what the world is? Are they set apart from what the world's choices are? Are they set apart from what the world does? Are we set apart from someone else who might look the same height, the same width, the same, whatever, are we still set apart? Can someone tell you are set apart? Can someone tell you're different because you're listening to the unctions of the Holy Spirit or because you're working through the things in your life that keep you separate from the world? You know, we always say, you all hear the saying of to reach the world, we have to be in the world. That is very true. To reach the world, we do have to be in it. But to reach the world, we cannot be of it. Once again, to reach the world, we have to be in it. But to reach the world, we cannot be of the world. We cannot do the same things the world does. We cannot act the same way. We can't say the same things. We can't do the same things because there will be no difference in the way we look. There'll be no testament to how we live. There'll be no testament to the things of God in our lives because it looks the same. You know, and we cannot fully reach them and fully do the things that we have to do. If we're not set apart, you know, it's funny because think about. Think about um, how we used to be, how you used to act, the things that you used to do. You were certified outside the world, you were certified in the world. Because you had certain qualifications, I'll put it that way. So I'm gonna call myself. I was a certified, certified shaker. You know, I can make some shake because the tasks that I could do, the things that were privy to me to do made me certified in the world to do certain things. But now that I'm in Christ, now I think things are different. I'm not certified in there. I lost my certification with the world and I gained sanctification with Christ. So I was certified, 
but now I'm sanctified. So are you walking in your certification or are you walking in your sanctification? And the thing with that that we also have to remember, just think about when you're taking a test for any trade or whatever to get your certification. I used to do carpentry to get, you know, OSHA certified with safety and all those type of things. So if I'm the skills that made me that certified me, even if my certification had to be renewed or expired because I had to get it renewed, I still knew the skills that made me certified. You can catch that. I still knew what I had to do to be certified. So now, if I'm not crucifying myself daily, if I'm not presenting my body as a living sacrifice, which is my reasonable service, which is the thing I should be doing, if I'm not doing that daily, if I'm not bringing forth myself as a sacrifice to God and say, Lord, cleanse me or taking to my cross daily. If I'm not doing that, I bring the skills that certify me into my sanctification. So therefore, I'm not I'm not a certified shaker. I'm just a sanctified troublemaker now because the, the skills don't go away. The certification does. But you shouldn't operate in something if you're not certified in it. Because Jesus took my certification to sin and he died with it on the cross and his blood has been the remission for my certification to sin. So therefore, or my certification to the world. So therefore, my certification is no more. It's not valid anymore. So I cannot operate with the skills that certified me. Because I'm not authorized to do that anymore. Because my certification is null and void. Now my sanctification or my the the, uh, the process of me being set apart from that is what I have to walk in, you know. But sometimes, like I said, the skills still present themselves, and I become a troublemaker in a set apart realm. I'm set apart, still making trouble, and that's the things that we have to really understand to effectively be a commissioned man, to effectively push forward in things that we have to do. We cannot be sanctified troublemakers. We cannot be set apart making trouble because then for how do we speak the things? How can I not? How can I be a man of clean lips if I'm having unclean stuff come through my lips? How can I be a man of a pure heart if I'm having unpure things come to my heart? If my heart is privy to that, if my mind is quick to pick back up those same skills that certify me in the world, how can then how then therefore can I complete the commission of a man to honor the commandments and to fear the Lord and the commission of a Christian to go forth and make disciples and then put those two together to obey the commands of the Lord's the commands of the Lord and to make disciples? How can I do that if I'm still operating under the skills of a certification that's not valid anymore? So I'm gonna leave you with a question here today. I just want you to mull over that for this next day, couple days, whatever. Do you resemble more the things you've been set apart from? Or do you resemble more who you've been set apart to? Once again, do you resemble more the things that you've been set apart from? Or do you resemble more who you have been set apart to? Thank y'all for listening to this. I know this is a tough one, but use that time to take that inward reflection and to think about that question. And then email us your answer, fortifyingkings at gmail. Talk, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So again, I'll catch y'all 
next time. I look forward to um, look forward to seeing you guys listening again. Look forward for another time and another installment of the Fortifying Kings. Y'all be blessed and have a great day. Father God, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just want to thank you again, God, for allowing us to speak your word, Lord, allowing me to allowing you to speak through me, Father, so that your people might be fortified and built up and get the necessary defensive tools that they need against the enemy, Father. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you right now for everyone on the sound of my voice, God, that they may believe on you, Father, and confess you as their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, God, that they will be saved, that they will be set free that they will be able to overcome any plot of the enemy against their lives, Father. And Lord, I thank you right now that this word will go forward into the into the masses, Father, and reach who it's supposed to reach. Father, I thank you for the ability to have us to speak your word, God. Lord, I thank you for all that you're doing for us in and throughout our lives, Father. Lord, I thank you for your will being completed. As it has already been said, it is done, it is finished. So Father, I thank you right now once again, God, for allowing me to do the work that you've called for me to do, Father. And I thank you, Lord, for anybody hearing this, that they may come to know you in a very deeper, personal way, God, so that maybe they may have a lasting relationship with you, Father. I thank you right now, God, in the mighty, awesome, powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.